Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke, and with me as always is Matt Hudson from What I Watch Tonight.co.uk. Sorry Matt, I realized I was wearing different headphones than I normally wear, and it <laughs> freaked me out that I messed up my intro, uh, but that's okay, because you know, we're not perfect, we're people, and sometimes people make mistakes. Um, this is The Kingsman. To my statesman, with the the line I flubbed, I I realized I have my <laughs> Xbox headset on, and so I have like the drive-through microphone thing going on, um, and I don't usually use this for recording. It's my I think my regular mic is picking up, um, based on what it I selected when we started this recording. But man, really threw me off, man. I was like completely like shook for a second, and I'm like, what is on my face? It's my headset. So. How you doing, Matt? Because I'm over here, like, unprofessional and freaking out. What's <laughs> what's Whoa, happening I've, over there? So I've just got normal in-ear headphones out, but I too, and we're using a different um, podcast recording software tonight, so I'm like, my eyes are all over the screen thinking, right, what's going on? It's You're not Ron. This isn't the usual thing. So John's headphones are messed up. <laughs> my kind of sense of where I am is messed up. However, it's still the BAMP, isn't it? We're bloody awesome. I'm okay, yeah. my friend. Um... I've got a I've got a can of Dr Pepper with me now, which oh. I procured earlier on, and I'm looking forward to destroying that during the episode. But yeah, I'm okay. Same old, same old. We're in lockdown. Maybe maybe next week we may be coming out of it somewhat, but mm. I'm not even going to try and entertain that idea. But other than that, my friend, keep it up. Keep on keeping on as usual. How about you? I have my uh, cup of coffee from Dunkin' Donuts. Ugh. I tend to have. I did not get a donut. I did, however, my uh, friend who has been on this weight loss journey with me over the last two years, um, uh, David over at mm-hmm. the editor at Burke Reviews, um, turned me on to this new uh, protein bar called Power Crunch. Um, also Power not a sponsor. Crunch. Power Crunch. So I don't know if you like uh, wafer cookies. Yes. Or, um, so it's like that, but it's a protein bar. So it's got like the wafers and it's got like a thin layer of chocolate on it. It is the closest thing I've had to a candy bar. Um, and there's a peanut butter fudge one and then a peanut butter cream. And I just had one of those, uh, before the episode to give a little bit of energy and a little, pr- little protein until I can get to dinner in a couple hours when my wife is home. Um, so it's, it's a very tasty treat. I wanted a donut. That was a good, good, healthier option than a donut. So I went oh. with that instead. Man, I've been, as you saw this week, I had a croissant <laughs> slash mm. donut mix and it was the best thing I've had all year. And um, Doctor Pet, I, I, I honestly need to get back on the the book train and sort this all out. But um, hey, it is what it is. What it is. We um, we can't we can't all be Johns. But I did. But before coming on tonight, I was looking at no bake peanut butter cheesecakes on YouTube, oh, which made me gain about fifty pounds by watching it. The way you said croissant reminded me of the Tom Holland video that's circulating on on TikTok and stuff. Have you seen this? Tom Holland. I have not seen it, no. He can't say the word croissant. He says it very, very odd, and he doesn't seem to know that he's saying it odd. How does he say it? Um, it's It's got more of a Q sound. It's like Quacking. croissant. Like, yeah, it, it kind of like you just said, though, to be fair. Like it, croissant um, or croissant. Um, and I, I don't know if I'm right for sure because it is a French word and I do not pretend to speak French. But no, yeah, you should look that not. up uh, and and hear how he says it because there's it's a series of uh, edits of him like being made fun of by his various <laughs> cast members um, from like uh, Zendaya messes with him and I think um, 
I can't think of who the other, but he's like desperate to prove that he's saying it right, but he's like saying it incorrectly while saying like this is how you say croissant. And it's well, like croissant, 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 croissant. There's uh, or croissant if you're uncultured. Yes. I don't actually know if anyone out there is listening from France across the pond from me. How on earth do you say that delectable pastry treat of yours? And it, it, that's just it. It's good in every form. It's good as a savory, like like almost a replacement for a American biscuit. I, I know biscuit for you would be a cookie, so not that. Yes. Um, but then now that it's become this donut craze, oh man, it's just phenomenal, right? The, the um, cronuts, as we call them over here in the oh, states. Oh, how do you or donuts spelled D O N U T or D O U G H N U T? List list goes on of how continental people and foreign people and Americans and European spe- say and spell tomato, tomato. Come on, guys, how do we say it? Food. Food, indeed. A delicious, uh, probably not nutritious food um, that we we like to shove into our faces. That said, <laughs> folks, we're not here. We're not a food podcast. No, we just like to talk about food because it's relevant. Um, it, no, we're here to talk movies. And this week, we've got a big one. Uh, I, I think mm-hmm. the biggest of 2021 so far. Um, the second WB, same day theatrical, same day um, HBO Max release outside of 2020 because technically wonder woman was the first but we're, we're not counting that we're looking at the little things and now this episode we're talking about judas and the black messiah um matt how were you able to watch this one did you get to go to the theater again i did not i was lucky enough to procure a screening link from warner brothers mm. perfect because yes again if uh if you're a uk listener you know hbo max not a thing for you for whatever reason i don't yeah. get that but hopefully that'll be remedied soon um they've really I actually love HBO Max. I think there's a lot of great movies on it. Um, it looks good. Like the the Turner Classic Movie Collection on it is insane. Like there's so many like Criterion films. It's not the Criterion print, but it's still like mm-hmm. the cri- movies that you normally can only get now from Criterion are on there. And um, I love it, but they flubbed so much of the release of it. Like that, like the mixed up with hbo go and hbo max and there was a whole thing with that it wasn't on roku or fire stick for a while i think it's finally on both um and then it not being in the uk like it's it's crazy the the mess ups um but yeah nevertheless judas and the black messiah available to watch for 30 days on hbo max same day release in theaters if your theaters are open uh directed by shaka king written by will burson shaka king and kenneth lucas stars daniel kalula Lakeith Stanfield, Jesse Plemons, Dominique Fishback, Ashton Sanders, and Algie Smith. Um, the synopsis from IMDb, it is kind of a spoiler synopsis, but it also is based on a true story, so I, I think it kind of yeah works. But the story of well, Fred the title Hampton... title is a spoiler. Yeah, true. That is true. It, unless you don't know the story no, of Judas. Yeah. Uh, but um, the story of Fred Hampton, chairman of the Illinois Black Panther party and his fateful betrayal by fbi informant william o'neill home from his uh movie premiere in a week that's, that, that's, that's from, last week's synopsis. that's from last week's synopsis <laughs> apologies folks that william o'neill came home from his movie premiere that's <laughs> so i was like wait what when did that happen he that's not in the <laughs> movie the same film <laughs> um uh jeez it's judas and the black you know messiah and malcolm and murray um so it's going well uh, Rotten Tomato score ninety seven percent, um, eighty seven Metascore and seven point nine, seven point nine IMDb user score. So seems to be getting a lot of positivity overall. Yep. Um, 
again, I watched this on HBO Max, uh, and I I was so enamored with the film. Um, immediately, I was I was sucked in. It's it's one of those great opportunities um, when I'm proven wrong that I can watch a movie at home without being distracted by other things yep. if the movie can pull me in, and this movie does. Um, one of the first things I did when it ended was I, I have a, a group chat with uh, two friends, but they're both history teachers, and I can I refer to them as my political advisors because they know way more about politics and history than I have ever bothered to learn, so I often defer to them for questions and stuff like that. And so as soon as this movie ended, I, I messaged them how I felt ashamed of how little I knew about Fred Hampton. Yep. And they responded uh, essentially that you shouldn't feel ashamed because it, he has not been taught for the majority of the time he should have been taught with the civil rights movement. Um, he is ultimately, his story has been kind of ignored by a lot of the curriculum, at least in, in our school systems. And it, it's confounding at um, the fact that he's just been overlooked uh, as to me, such a, after seeing this movie, I feel like he's such a pivotal figure and his approach is not the same as Malcolm X. It is not the same as Martin Luther King. It is kind of a hybrid almost of the two where there is a militant mindset, but it's not driven solely by race, right? Like his philosophy is there's power in the people and the people is everybody. It's everyone who is disenfranchised, everyone who is not being treated or taken care of by the systems that were in place and still are in place. And I found that alone to be compelling. Um, then the betrayal aspect of this and the the parallel that you see, you see the, the legitimate remorse in Bill's position that Bill is understandably self-preservation has kicked in. He is kind of forced uh, into being an informant for the FBI. But you see him grapple with that. Mm -hmm. And so just those stories, the real life story alone is very, as much of it as this is real life. Obviously, I don't know for sure how much of this is, is Hollywood and, and fabricated and whatnot, but the story is compelling on the surface. And then you get these powerhouse performances from Daniel Kaluuya, whose name I, I'm so sorry that I butcher every time. <laughs> it's the W. It just Kaluuya. really see then i think of the alcohol and i don't think that's that's not how the alcohol spell it just throws me off anyway love him lakeith stanfield always like these two guys are always amazing i'm i'm a huge fan of both actors and their performance in this movie just continues to blow me away with both of these guys these guys are crazy i don't think it's fair the level of intensity that daniel kalula can bring to a character like Dude. how can one person convey that much intensity and also then then kindness. You know what I mean? Like there's this softness that he can bring to a character that it doesn't make sense because moments ago I was terrified. Yep. And then he's he's vulnerable and kind and caring. Um it, it's he's so incredible. Um Lakeith, I've I've been a fan for a while. Um you know, he's in short term twelve and it's fantastic in that. And then uh, I am a big fan of, of Donald Glover's Atlanta, who he's a major character on that series. Like Dude always nails it, and I, I, he can bring again another level of of emotion and and pathos to a character that other actors just don't. And and then you get Jesse Plemons in this film, who, <laughs> who I didn't realize. I actually sent this to you and to Big Tuna that I think Plemons might be 
our our new Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. And then I I realized why that connection has clicked so hard for me, and it's Charlie Kaufman, because Hoffman is in Synecdoche, New York, and then Plemons is in um, I don't want to I don't feel at home in this. What is the movie called? Um, uh, I don't want to live in this world anymore. Is that what it's called? Okay, I, I was I got hesitant that that was uh, the making Blair film, which is uh, a similar title. It might be that one. It, so, uh, I'll have a look for you. Okay, you discuss. So Charlie Kaufman casts Plemons in a very similar role that Philip Seymour Hoffman is in in Synecdoche, New York, and so I, I think that helped me see the the similarities in their style. And I can totally I keep picturing Plemons as the villain in Mission Impossible Three. I think he would crush a similar type of villain in a role like that. It was great. And I don't feel at home in this world anymore. That was what it is. Okay, good. The Elijah Wood one, yep. Oh, well, that's not the one I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Charlie Kaufman one um, from that we reviewed um, a few months ago. That's on Netflix. Mm. Oh, um, that one is called I'm Thinking of Ending Things. That's it. There you go. Both very, you know, sad sentence titles, right? Um, (laughs) So... I, I Plemons has continued to impress. I mean, from Game Night, he was like a comedic genius in that movie, and mm. then uh, just you know, he's he's been great since I've seen him. But I do think he might be our our replacement for the belated uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, I, those three performances are just outstanding. Um, and then Dominique Fishback, who uh, I was not, I've not seen, or at least I was not familiar with. I thought she was really good in her role alongside uh, Kalula. Um, I, I everything about this movie really clicked for me. I thought the sequences were really, really well designed. Um, there's a lot of emotional beats where you really get to uh, to connect to Fred Hampton as a person and also to William O'Neill. I yeah. think um, I even think they don't like they don't make Clemens a clear bad guy, and yet they 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 definitely lean in that direction. But I feel like that's just the nature of the role. But sympathetic I, bad guy, if anything, because they they don't. They, 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 there are moments when they show his face or they put him in a situation where you're like, "Oh come on, you, you know, you, you feel for the guy, even though mm-hmm. you know he is on in in this film he's on the wrong side." There are moments right. that make you empathize with him, right? And you you can even see where some of the like the brainwashing is coming from and whatever. Um, big surprise I didn't list uh, was when the movie starts and you see uh, um, Martin Sheen. Oh, as as yeah. J. Edgar Hoover and like really not great. Like I don't know if it's just if he's supposed to look that bad or if it's just not the best like makeup setup or whatever. But I was like real thrown for a second when he was J. Edgar Hoover. I was like, whoa, okay. Um didn't know he was in this movie. Um but yeah, I I really loved all of this and the one the one thing that this movie made me realize is that PBS needs to be better at re- making their documentaries available to watch because there's a uh, real life kind of like epilogue moment at the end of the film. And they reference this PBS documentary that's about this story that apparently is just lost to time as, as of right now, like you can't buy it anywhere. You can't get it digitally. I'm just like PBS, put your stuff like on iTunes or on Vudu. Because people, I, I, I know, I can't think of what other ones have recently come up, mm-hmm. but in my studies over the last year, I come across like, oh, well, there is a PBS documentary about this topic that I would love to watch, but I literally can't get. Um, and that that's just endlessly frustrating when, it, when I know a movie exists and I can't, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
No, no, I hear you, man. No, I hear you, man. I, um, I pretty much echo everything you said there, mate. I think this film is excellent. I think it's really well constructed by Shaka King, who, again, I'm not 100% uh, up with his work. I've had a look. He's done, he did a film called Newlyweeds eight years ago. He's done some short films and some television, but mm-hmm. it, uh, as far as I'm, you know, this is, this might as well be his big screen debut. Uh, yeah. I think it's really well constructed. Like you mentioned, the performances here are incredible. Sometimes you get uh, performances which can carry a film. So the film might not be great, but the performances are unreal. I don't think that's the case here. I think the film is really good, and it just ha- so happens to be anchored by these incredible performers. Daniel Kaluuya is a monster talent. He's so good. Honestly, he's such a good actor. Obviously, Get Out, and then in Widows, he was legitimately terrifying in Widows. He's absolutely unreal. Here, he's so good. There was a moment uh, during this when he's giving a speech, and I, I, like you said, man, I'm in. I'm, I'm just sitting there like, wow. Mm-hmm. God, this guy, the, the charisma that, that this guy is just spewing is incredible. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield, like you mentioned, he's great in everything he's in. Even if I don't like the film, sorry to bother you, Lakeith Stanfield is always really good. Then there's stuff like Death Note, which was, you know, nobody really gets a pass for that. And, and Jesse Plemons, you, well, you sent me the message about um, Philip Seymour Hoffman, PSH, and I said to you, it's a hell of a comparison, and you're not wrong. I also got hints of a Jack Nicholson, a young Jack Nicholson in there as well, with the kind mm. of behind the eyes. There was that kind of there was a threat there that young Jack had, and uh, but the Philip Seymour Hoffman uh, comparison is is extremely relevant. I watched Eyes of March as I mentioned last week, and mm. uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman was in that. Yep. So I yep. kind of used that as my point of reference as well. And it, absolutely, Plemons is just a wonderful actor. The I, I, there's nothing I there's not an awful lot I, I, I disliked about this film. Nothing I didn't like. In fact, my only one issue with it is that the pacing is a bit awry. In like the second, like from halfway on, it goes. It starts to sag a little bit before it gets to like its big big ending, and it, it starts so well. We've got Kalua is in it for this part, and then Lakeith kind of takes over, and they're both so good. But yeah. the, the film there are different. There's a couple of different tones to the film and I think from about halfway there's about half an hour patch where things start to slow down a little bit and it's not as not as engaging as the rest of the film but that's on a level of you know if everything else is like nine out of ten this was like eight and a half it's not like there's a big dip it was extremely watchable I found myself getting infuriated as I do when I watch films that deal with subject matters like this yeah at just the injustice of the whole thing Honestly, it, it, it they mentioned things that were brought up in the trial of, of the Chicago Seven. We've also had things like One Night in Miami recently as well. Um, so for the films which are dealing with the injustices in Black history are now coming out, and it is you know like John said, it's I kind of look back. I'm thinking, gee, I didn't I didn't know really an awful lot about this, and should I have done? I'm glad that they are now bringing it to fore now, so we yeah. can see what's happening now isn't just like some kind of microcosm of modern history it's it's an explosion based on what's been happening for the last god knows how many decades and the police in this film they don't come out with any uh with any credit as they probably wouldn't in real life now but i think the film is really good i think shaka king has done a great job bringing it to the screen it's written well the performances are electric and it's it shines a light on an important moment in history it's got the right amount of emotion like you said it can be angry it can be emotional it can be touching but it's never boring. 
And some, and I've mentioned before, sometimes you can have films which are, which are propped up by their performances, and biopics usually fall into that category. Usually, the perform the lead performance is so good that it, it masks that the rest of the film kind of isn't. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the case here. I think it's one of the best films I've seen this year already. It's only February, but it's one of the best films. It's in it's right up the top there that I've seen because everything was a win. A few, a few slight pacing issues, but I'm literally talking as I said. It's knocking it down about one percent because I still enjoyed what I saw, and the the conflicting uh, performances and, to- and emotions and tones of our leads, Lakeith and uh, Daniel Kaluuya, gave such different performances. Equally as good though, because of the way that their characters, they the, the way their real life counterparts acted, and then we get obviously the, the, their real life uh, facts as well, uh, just as it almost as infuriating as well, but. I I I really like it, man, and I'm so glad we're getting these films which shine a light on on, on these people, on these mo- moments in time, and I'm I'm here for it. And if they can all be as good as this one, man, then keep them coming. Yeah, agreed. Um, will this qualify for this year's Oscars or next year? Yes, it's the, this year's. Uh, the nominations are uh, the close. The eligibility is at the end of February, so okay, that's what I thought. February. So, because it's weird, because it this is a a true twenty twenty one film, but it will be for the twenty twenty one Oscars, which usually is the year before. So it's it's weird that it's that late. I, th- but. I think had it been an, uh, a normal year, the nominations usually close at the end of January. I think, right. don't they? So or it would have been for next year, but I think it's as far as I know, it's going to sneak in this year because eligibility is to the end of this month. I really, I mean, if 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 these guys aren't looked at for best. Actors now, I don't know oh, dude. who you put in as, as lead and who you put as supporting, or do you run both as lead? Because <sighs> it does feel more like a like you Kalua mentioned is your lead, but then as I see, there's uh, Lakeith Stanfield gets just as much lead screen time, but but I, I think I, you could put him as supporting though. I think I think you could, but I mean the title of the film is Judas and the Black yeah. Messiah, and Lake- there's that as well, man. Lakeith is billed first on Letterboxd. Um, I don't know if that's because they consider him a bigger star at the moment. I mean, Lakeith has, I think, had more lead vehicles at this yeah. point. Um, I think Kalua's done a lot of like secondary characters, like Widows and and Black Panther. He's a you know way down on the list. But everything um, he's in, man, he's just so. Oh good. yeah, powerhouse. Oh, and that's not that's not to say that he should be. Therefore, he should be top billion. You just every as soon as you mention those performances, I'm sitting there thinking. I remember when Widows came out, thinking this dude could be up for it. Should be getting an Oscar for this because he generally scared me. Uh, yeah. Black Panther is good, and that will get out. Uh, just oh, this so is if he doesn't get a nom for this, God help the yeah. the Oscars because I mean, where are we going? Yeah, I just I can't imagine this movie not getting some some nominations. It it is so good, um, and uh, I I can never say his name right. I'm going to butcher his name. It's Demi Ajawa Bay. He does podcasts too. He's also a podcaster. His his reviews on Letterbox are often some of my favorites. Um, and um, I really should learn how to say people's names. And um, that's <laughs> entertaining. But uh. His his comment, his last comment about Shaka King is just that if if uh, Shaka King's name better reverberate through the halls of every studio after this, and I completely agree because, like you said, his his filmography is very small, yeah. and yet, man, this movie is insane. Like it's it's not just the the performances; like it is really well directed and well crafted, and um, 
I, I mean, this guy, I hope we get to see him get opportunities to, to tell yeah. stories because, man, he crushed this one. I mean, well, I remember... Sh- I was going to say, there's shootout scenes as well. Oh, man. Involved, and which are handled really well as well. They're not they're not choppily edited. They're not... Uh, the pacing isn't too fast, too slow. The the use of um, shots and close-ups isn't over the top. They're, they're handled really well as well, man. And that's something hard to portray and and they fit within the overall tone of this film still as well you know it's also like super shocking to me was the that fred hampton's 21 in the oh. this story like i'm just like dude imagine imagine if this guy got more time yeah because he was already this inspiring figure at 21 like how many 21 year olds do you know that are like inspiring the community to merge to get like it's not something that i mean m- many people don't get to do what hampton did but of a 21 year old to be that kind of aware and and like versed and seemingly knowledgeable it was insane like when when i read that he was only 21 i was just like wait a minute hold up really yeah. uh, i had and, to check it as well man and the, yeah. the man is 21 year old dude who struck so much fear in all i'll say is a a prominent white government official that this man said our our as in the whites our way of life is at risk yeah his exact words and basically if we don't do something about this dude our way of life is at risk which is in one hand disgusting and infuriating and another hand this is what the power or like he said power the speech he gives it's all there go watch a film it's unreal it's all in that speech and Mm -hmm. it reverberated all the way to the top man and I mean, even if you take away the historical elements of this film, which are important and relevant right now, it's an engaging movie. The movie mm-hmm. will make you want to watch it. It's because of the performances, but it's also because of the editing and the uh, the directing. It's going to draw you in. And that was really refreshing for me because some of the movies that I've watched recently, especially when I'll talk about it in a little bit, um, the opposite is true. Where I am, I am so looking for distractions because I am like, why am I even watching this movie? And a uh, movie like this was just immediately, I, I am hooked. I'm in. I'm on board. Let's let's. Uh, what's next? What's the next awesome film that we're gonna get? And I am excited that w- I'm disappointed because I definitely would have liked to see this on a big screen. Yeah. Um. But at the same time, I am grateful for. I know it's a heated topic within the industry, but I am grateful that this company is maybe putting profits secondary to safety, you know, like that we're able to watch this from home and mm-hmm. we know they're losing money by doing this. Um, but I'm not comfortable going to the theater yet and I don't want to miss these big movie releases. So I'm grateful to HBO for, for allowing this opportunity. Um, especially because I was already subscribing to HBO max. And so I'm like, Oh, well, cool. I get a bonus because I was there for the the other content and now I get to see these movies that I normally would be in the theater in a heartbeat in a normal uh, year. But right now I'm not. So I, I am grateful for this. And I, I hope um, that when things are safe again, that we all return to the theaters and, and maybe even more, maybe we go back to the theater bigger than we were going beforehand because we will appreciate what was taken from us. Yep. And I, I hope, you know, that, uh, these filmmakers and these actors and artists who are going to lose money this year because of this are able to be okay. Um, granted, they they make a lot more money than I will ever make, but still, I don't want. I'm not trying to take away their their livelihood as they as they are in, want to get. But um, I am very grateful 
that uh, we have access to this, at least it, it, here. I, I hope they fix it so that you'll have access to it as well. But So do I. But yeah, I, I really like what they're doing, and I'm looking forward, because we got another couple big releases from HBO this month. Um, or, I guess it's technically, there's one more this month, and then a, the big Godzilla versus Kong next month, so... No, uh, I'm not sure it's going to be as good as this. It may it may be more entertaining, if you will, but it ain't going to be as good as this, man. Yeah, I don't think it'll be more entertaining for me, but well, I can yeah. see the the yeah. It's definitely it's it's a popcorn movie versus this is a uh, historical drama of sorts. So, yes, two thumbs up from me and yep. three thumbs up from John. Oh, uh, yes. I, why not? Um, that said, folks, that is our review of. Judas and the Black Messiah. You can watch that now on HBO Max, or if you can safely go to the theaters, it's playing in some theaters when those are open. That said, we will move to our next segment. This is Chopped Headlines. These are movie or pop culture news that caught our attention, uh, clickbait, if you will, that we had to just look in on. And Matt, I see you are bringing to the table a very controversial article. This might be the most controversial topic ever brought up on BAMP. What are you talking Uh, about? John, we live in a society where <laughs> the Snyder Cut is here. Zack Snyder's Justice League is upon us nearly. It's one month away pretty much. And with the well, I say the first, we got a trailer. Zack Snyder himself. To many, a god. To others, not quite. Yeah, he sat in front of the camera and he, he introed this trailer. You know, we're, we're building up something big here. We live in that society. And we got a trailer. We got a two minute full full trailer for Zack Snyder's Justice League, the four-hour superhero epic, which drops also on HBO Max in March, and I imagine we'll be we'll be covering it as well. And yeah, so obviously everybody knows what this is. I'm not going to bother trying to explain what it is, but it, I'm not going to lie. This is very intriguing. I find this whole thing intriguing. I'm not looking forward to Zack Snyder's Justice League, but I'm intrigued by all the hoopla surrounding it. I don't agree. I don't like how it came about. I don't like any of the circumstances that, that basically surround the film, but I'm I'm intrigued as to what it turns out like. And if it is good, I've, as I've said another, on another show, I will happily sit there and say, do you know what? I was wrong. That was quite good. So I, so I watched this trailer. I sat down. Everything's bathed in sepia and gloom. Um, there's a lot of CG shots, a lot of shots, which I'm sure I've seen before uh, in another Justice League film and lots of dialogue, you know, setting up this big epic film. A lot of it was quite clunky and it's all building up to uh, Jared Leto's reveal as a Joker at the end and a face-off of Batman. And basically what I'm trying to say is I didn't really like the trailer. Um, I text John saying it's fine. Just, it hasn't made me any more excited for the film. I don't think it's... I don't think... It, and a lot of people have said it is. I don't think it's an awful trailer per se. I just didn't like what it was showing me. I, mean, I don't think it was put together badly. I don't think some of the dialogue was it crap, but it looked... You know, the, the way it was given to us was fine it, what what was in it just doesn't excite me because I think it was Walter Hamada basically said that you know this is you know this is it you know once once this film's out that's it we'll turn around and go and do other things I can't really refer to it as now but where do we go from here we've seen most of what happens in this film it opens up with Superman getting killed by Doomsday spoiler for uh, Batman v Superman but we know Superman's back and we know what happens to all the other characters and Dark sides in it, and uh, the other one, Steppenwolf, looks well. He just looks ridiculous. I think so too. It. Uh, I mean, uh, listen. If it, uh, there's a lot of people out there who can't wait for this, and 
and I know it almost sounds condescending, and I'm the least condescending person, I mean this, I dig the fact that people are excited for this, and I hope the people who want to like this genuinely do, uh, on the same token that I, I hope the people who really want this, if they don't like it, I hope they'll just come out and say, maybe that wasn't worth the wait, but... Um, Look, there's a lot of people out there who are excited for this. Good on them. This isn't exciting me, which is ridiculous for a film that's got Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Cyborg, Flash, Aquaman together against these big badass villains. I'm not. It hasn't got me any more excited, man. But you are a more of a connoisseur of the comic, and I mm. I know what you think about this. But why don't you tell the listeners what you think? Well, you know, I sit in a room while we record with tons and tons of Batman memorabilia. Um. Not the most ever by any means, but I have tons. I mean, I have, I'm looking just around. I have a few pops. I have a, a vintage, vintage from the 1966 Batman, but they they didn't, they weren't allowed to make merchandise until like 10 years ago. So yeah. they're the original figures, but they, they're still pretty new, but I have uh, like tons of the 66 Batman figures. I've got all these different Hot Wheels, Batmobiles hanging on my wall um, in the original packaging because I'm not a heathen. And, you know, all these all these different Batman things. And I could not be less excited about a Batman movie um, than I am for Justice League. And granted, yes, it's Justice League. But I love DC. In fact, I would argue that I am a much bigger DC fan than I am Marvel up until the Marvel movies. But for years, the only Marvel comics I ever cared to read were Spider-Man and X-Men. That was it. I never read just I never read Avengers comics. I never read uh, an Iron Man book by himself, especially not. I had no interest in Iron Man, but I read tons of DC books and I am, I should be one of the, the demos. I grew up a Batman nerd. I've, I've been a Batman fan since I could walk and I, I don't care one because I do think Zack Snyder is really overrated. I, I, I think I like Watchmen. And that's it. I really don't love any of his other films. I think Man of Steel is underrated, but I don't think it's perfect. But I like what he did to Superman until I see what he does to Superman in the subsequent movies. Because at first I'm like, cool, he's not a Boy Scout. I can get it. I can get behind that. But then I'm like, oh, wait, I think I think I think Snyder took a bad idea from Watchmen and pushed it onto the other superheroes and then also took what Nolan did and try to do his version of it. And then, like you mentioned, I don't get the look of his movies. It looks horrible. It doesn't look like you could argue, oh, it's supposed to look otherworldly because it's not our world, but it doesn't. It just looks bad. It looks dark and muddy and mucky, and I don't understand. It doesn't always look that way, but apparently when they start fighting, they go into like another plane of existence and everything <laughs> is messed up. Like, I don't know what's going on with with this and the hype behind it is is aggravating and it has this hostility from its fan base that really like i appreciate what you said and i'm i'm not going to be political about it i think so many people are are awarding this before they have the right to award it they're applauding something for the idea of its existence which has happened it's why it exists right because they were demanding the snyder cut in a way that was just weird like it, it they they turned myth into reality essentially because it wasn't real and now it mm -hmm. is and i hate every aspect of this basically at this point and i need answers because it looks like he shot it in a four three or a one to one like the old school academy ratio and i'm like why why would you film it that way and i saw something where i think you might have sent this to me 
that he he did it because of the IMAX screen, which yes. doesn't make any sense because we don't have IMAX screens, and you're gonna trim off the edges. I uh, I don't. Apparently, you could see more, but now it's going on HBO Max, which is let's face it, it was always ever gonna go on a streaming service. It was never gonna be released theatrically. So yeah, you know, drop the IMAX reference. It's just for me, I, it's it's stylistic, but it just I don't I don't get it, man. I want this to be great. I, I genuinely do because I love the DC characters. Yeah. I don't believe for a second based on Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman that this movie can be great. I don't think it's possible um, unless you're just wanting specific things that Snyder can deliver. Um, but I don't genuinely like a lot of the things that he delivers. I think a lot mm-hmm. of it looks over stylized. I think, um, you know, the the action sequences aren't particularly great in his movies um i'm just like all right cool you know i guess and i i i have no issue with any of the performances really i i like affleck as batman um i don't necessarily like the choices that we've seen with the batman character but i like i like affleck um i really like gail gadot as wonder woman i'm i'm i was on board with ezra miller until the whole real life stuff has bled Mm -hmm. into that but I like it. Ezra was a good – I enjoyed him in some movies. I thought he had a good wit, and I thought that could have worked as Barry Allen. Now I kind of don't like it, and I wish it wasn't happening. Um, Ray Fisher as Cyborg was cool. I hope Cyborg gets a better treatment than what we saw in the other Justice League movie. You know, mm-hmm. and, and based on his claims on social media and stuff, that maybe will happen. But at the same time, I don't think we're going to get to go further with that character after this. So I'm not really invested. That's the other reason I'm not invested. When this movie came out, this was supposed to be like the culmination of the beginning of the franchise, right? <laughs> and now it's like DC's just doing whatever they want. So why are we even getting this movie? It's it's irrelevant at this point. You know? That's what I said to you in that message the other day. Is I kind of like, kind of like, what's the point? Because once mm-hmm. it's said and done, it's like, well, that was and it films can still live and die by being a one and done. Sure. Uh, we can get one shot comic book films. Um, at, at, as in Joker in itself was a mm-hmm. comic book movie. Um, it, it may not have felt like one, but it was, and it's a standalone. Great. It works. Whether you like it or not, it still works. Um, yeah. This, like you said, this isn't meant to be, Zack Snyder's Justice League isn't meant to be a standalone. It was always meant to be a continuation of those Snyder DC films. So yeah. they're, they're, thus it must be treated as such. And, Knowing that when the end credits roll, it's just like, right, that was a good, that was that was good. Doesn't matter anymore. It's, it's inconsequential. It's it kind of makes the whole thing a bit like hollow. Yeah, I, I, I when you said we're going to cover it, my heart dropped for a second because <laughs> I forgot that that was probably true. And um, I'm like, I I remember watching Seven Samurai for the first time and thinking, oh, four hours, what a what a what a commitment. And then when I watched Lawrence of Arabia for the first time, I was like, oh man, four hours. What a, what a commitment. And then when, when those movies were over, not only did I feel like an accomplishment for watching these iconic films, but also like seeing them and like loving them also and like appreciating them on a level I didn't think was possible was outstanding. So like the four hours that I gave to where those going movies. With this? I know where you're going. <laughs> what, a, what a, you know, it, it felt like a chore at first, but a reward at the end. I, I, if I feel like we were rewarded for watching the four-hour Snyder Cut, <laughs> I will be pleasantly surprised. But I just can't picture a scenario where that's how I'm going to feel after four hours of that. Because I don't remember exactly how I felt after Justice League, but I know I wasn't happy. And, again, I, I'm not 
I'm not even I'm not saying Snyder is a bad director. I don't think his films are great. I understand that it's subjective and other people might disagree with me and obviously have because he's gotten to make some pretty big movies. Um and I I will admit like I don't think uh Dawn of the Dead is horrible, but I prefer Romero's every yep. every sense of the way. And I 300 whatever i don't understand why 300 was so popular when it came out but i also didn't understand why avatar was so popular when it came out so you know some things don't work for me i get that fine four hour justice league man because like well here's the biggest question endgame is what three hours and like 15 minutes yeah something like that and it's weaving in like what 20 plus characters 22 movies 22 movies, movies yeah but 20 plus characters that all get story arcs and all have things that happen over the course of Infinity War and Endgame that are insanely well done, in my opinion. I and there was, was and there was an ending which we needed to know about, so we needed mm-hmm. that time. Right. Yes, and it never. I never felt like I saw Endgame twice in the theater and never yeah. felt like it was overwrought. I saw Justice League and was like, "This is this is so long. What is happening?" And it's longer now. So I, I am, I'm just, maybe, maybe he fixes all the problems. I am very, very skeptical. And you added a Jared Leto Joker that no one was asking for, except for maybe Jared Leto. Yeah, he's not damaged anymore. Yes, but he's a part of a society now. So that. Yeah, he lives in it. Yeah. But yeah. Oh man. Well, look, if, if it's, if it's at least decent, I will happily say, look, that was not as bad as I thought. Yes. I, I can't think... You've mentioned the, the major epics, and like you can th- throw in... Even the extended Lord of the Rings aren't four hours, take out no. the credits. Um, and those films are held up. There aren't many films that can get away with a three-and-a-half-hour-plus runtime and work. And those films you mentioned, like Lawrence of Arabia, and things like that, they're not fast-paced films either. They They no. take their time getting to where they need to go. Uh, is Justice League going to be four hours of just pure, like sm- being punched in the face? Is it going to have lots of slow, dialogue-heavy scenes? I mean, that's what I'm worried about: is how the hell is he going to fill this? But justify it? There's a, re- there's a reason. Every film, every film starts off as about four hours long, and then they do something called editing, yeah, and cutting. Like if every film, like Endgame, was probably like six hours long. The Rise of Skywalker was four hours long. They cut that down. They probably could have done with it being four hours long. But things get cut out for a reason. You don't just leave everything in. And unless um, Snyder himself thinks that everything is necessary to the story, you've got to imagine this is going to be just bloated and a bit messy, man, which is what Justice League itself was. In- indeed. And so uh, that concludes that article. Let's mm-hmm. look at a much more optimistic and probably less to talk about article. <laughs> um, so I like John Carpenter. Yes, I don't love all of his movies, but I like several. And one movie that Corey and I, my my movie uh, club partner, love is The Fog. Um, not not the remake, but the original John Carpenter film, nineteen eighty one. Um, and it's we're not. I don't think either of us will argue that it's like a masterpiece of cinema. But there's something about it that really hooks us in. We find endlessly watchable and. Mm-hmm creepy there's like a really good creepiness to that movie and i think there's some really good performances we actually watched the remake for an episode a couple of uh, halloweens ago and it's bad it's real real it bad doesn't do anything to to like justify its existence does it does not it and it's completely forgettable um however apparently right now uh, uh according to john carpenter not only the fog but um 
Oh, hold on, I want the exact wording here. There's been talk of a sequel to The Fog. There's been talk of sequels for a bunch of my movies. Carpenter tells the website, um, uh, what is it, bloodydisgusting.com, a horror-based movie website. Yep. Um, and uh, they, they just haven't happened yet because of various reasons, which is a very ambiguous statement. But nonetheless, I, w- I would love a Carpenter oversaw it. Even if he's not going to direct it, he would just oversee the writing and production of a, a sequel film. I think it'd be really cool because I mean, especially if you do it like 30 years later or what is it? 40 years later. Holy crap. Um, God, it is almost 40 years. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, 40 years later, we're back in the town. Maybe one of the kids is like grown up now like that. I'm in for that kind of thing. I like that idea. Um, obviously they just did something like that with Halloween and we're getting the, the third, entry now into the franchise because all the other ones were overwrought with the the new ones um but i'm i'm in i like the fog i i so basically my question for you because there's not much to this article this article is very very short but i like this movie what are your thoughts on the 1981 the fog uh i like the fog and what you said up top there is is carpenter in an in a nutshell basically when you said that there's something about it it's it's creeping it gets under your skin carpenter knows how to do that Mm -hmm. carpenter just has some innate uh, ability to craft his films and when he gets it right especially that's what they're like they get under your skin there is an atmosphere which is like suffocating obviously the thing had it the fog as well and so many of his other films i'm actually watching a lot of carpenter films now because we're doing it we're going to do john carpenter on npm in a few weeks time oh cool um and the fog is one i'm going to be watching soon but i like the fog man and yeah the 2005 one it again didn't justify his existence it didn't add anything it didn't do anything different um but a sequel with John Carpenter attached to it in one way or another. Because like you mentioned Halloween, he's not attached to that as a director, but he produces them and of course he's doing the music. So he's on board. If we, if we can get him on board for a sequel to The Fog and you know, who, who would direct it, I don't know. But I'm all up for that man. And for a bunch of his films, geez, yeah. It, it, it all comes down to how well they're done, of course. Just the idea sounds great. Like the idea of a sequel to The Fog sounds great. It could be rubbish. But the idea of yes. it sounds good. And I like the original because of all the reasons you said, man. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is great. There's Tom Atkins as well in it. Um, it's it's a good film. It's a decent horror film from a decade which was full of them. And The Fog is yes. still fairly well remembered and revered. It's, and it's a pretty good film. So uh, we'll all up for a sequel, man. Yeah. I, I'm See, that's cool. I, I, I feel like a lot of people slept on The Fog or have forgotten about it. And I just think it's really an entertaining um and I, I, I generally, um, I haven't seen all of his films, but I've seen a lot and I tend like Big Trouble Little China is one that I, uh, I absolutely love. And I, I do love his collaborations with Kurt Russell. You know, the, the thing yep. is also amazing. Um, so I, I'm, I'm in for those. Um, obviously you and I didn't love Escape from New York, which I think we were both a little disappointed. Uh, yeah. Cause I think we went in like, all right, here's this big, everyone talks about how great Snake Blitzen is. And we were expecting like to really be floored and neither of us were um kurt that, russell's cool oh yeah but still like i i definitely i was expecting it to be like new favorite movie and it, it just it didn't get there but mm-hmm. i still enjoyed it i didn't hate the movie by any means me. but um so yeah i hope i hope this if it does happen like you said i hope it's good but i think there's potential for it to be good and again with john carpenter kind of behind it i don't think he'll i don't feel like he would green light something that he didn't uh you know, because he for a long time he wasn't putting his name to stuff that was attached to his old properties, yeah. And that was the the big sign, the stamp of approval for the last Halloween movies that he did the score again. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like, oh, wow. Carpenter's like really involved with this. And, and for Halloween Kills, I think he's like really, really involved. Um, I think he's seen how much money that first one made. And he's yeah. like, yeah, man, I'm on board now. So, yeah, uh, if he's going to if he's going to be there, I mean, I hope uh, I, I'm a, I can't wait to talk to Corey about it. I don't know if she saw that article or not, but because, um, again, we're both big fans of the fog. Uh, and I'm a big fan of Corey because he keeps sending me exorcist things on Twitter and social media. <laughs> so everyone go check out Corey. She's great. And that leads us to media consumption. That is our next segment where we look at uh, movies, TV, video games, music, podcasts, etc. Um, that we use to pass the time between episodes. How we spend our, our lives and obsessions with, with this kind of media. Matt, what have you been uh, consuming? Frozen 1 and Frozen 2. <laughs> Again. Wait, have you have you seen those before? I haven't seen them before, so I thought I'd bring it oh, up now. Okay, good. I will eventually let it go. Uh, oh. um, no, I, yeah, those two films uh, on the behest of my demanding but wonderful daughter. Uh, that aside, um, I mentioned that we're doing Carpenter on, M- on MPM. That we were supposed to be doing uh, Alien vs Predator uh, this week, one and two for the fun. Um, but we decided, you know what, Willy's Wonderland is coming out, the Nick Cage film. So let's cover his last few films, so including Mandy, which I hated. Yeah. Um, Colour Out of Space, which I watched this week, and Willy's Wonderland, which I'm going to watch uh, by the time this episode comes out, but I haven't watched it yet. So I watched Alien vs. Predator, the uh, 2000 and whatever one it was, um, and I rewatched it, and I'm like, yes, it's, it's naff, but it's not as bad as I remember it being. And I remember actually thinking that AVP itself wasn't a horrible idea, like the idea of this like, hidden civilization under Antarctica. Fine, sounds like something John Carpenter has already done. Um, uh, and it wasn't the worst film in the world, especially when you compare it to the sequel, which I'm going to have to watch eventually, uh, with a silly name, AVP Requiem. Um, so Alien vs. Predator was just fine. Uh, Colour Out of Space, I watched that. Uh, a Nick Cage uh, film based on H.P. Lovecraft's work. And I preferred it to Mandy, actually. I thought it was pretty good, actually. Mm. Um, Nick Cage is little bit... He's, he, he's more toned down in this film than I've seen him in recent films like Mandy and Mum and Dad and things like that. Uh, Mandy just didn't work for me. No, Colour Out of Space did. I like Zebra. We didn't like Mandy, did we? Colour Out of Space did work. I thought that was pretty good. Again, still not um, incredible, but still pretty good. Um, I watched The Nice Guys, Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling. I sought that out because the first time I watched it, I wasn't a fan. I think I was in a one of those moods where you just you sit down to watch something, but you, you, your heart's not really in it. And you kind of, I'm watching it, it's like, this is fine, this is good, why aren't I liking it more than I should do? And I think I kind of gave it like a 6 out of 10, and like, it was fine. And every time I've rewatched it since, I'm thinking, you're an idiot, this is great. And I really like the nice guys, and I'm on a Ryan Gosling binge at the minute, not only because he's handsome, because he's a damn fine actor. So um, uh, I'm on a binge of his films, so I watched the nice guys, and I I enjoyed that. Uh, For movie astrology, uh, the next episode, we're covering 1985. And, you know, one of the bigger films to come out of that year in terms of critical success was Out of Africa with Robert mm. Redford. Yes. I watched that. It's a long film. I'm going to save my thoughts for that episode. But I think they generally align with John's. Um, but the next thing I watched, we've also seen as well together. I watched WandaVision episode oh, yeah. six. And I say every week now, the guy who wasn't bothered in the slightest Friday morning, I'm there straight away early, like I would do with The Mandalorian. I'm watching it. I'm thinking, this is this is great. This is amazing. Um, I liked this one. I liked what they're doing with Vision, especially. Um, still, lots of you know, it's Marvel. It's it's a 
it's a new one of these new IP mystery box deals where every episode gives you more and more questions, which you hope will be answered by. I think it's episode nine at the end end of this one, but it's intriguing. It's it, I really like the production values on this thing, and I'm excited to see where this goes. So I liked episode six out of Africa. I believe I'm on the same wavelength as John. That being said, man, Jonathan Ebook, what have you been checking out? Oh man, um, so uh, I also watched WandaVision episode six. I I am very into what the show's doing. I'm super excited. We should mention this. Um, the first six episodes are about thirty minutes long, give or take a few minutes. Mm. Um, yes. But the next three, the last three, are an hour long each, confirmed by Kevin Feige. That's great news, isn't it? It, it is, and I would not anyone else. I'd be concerned with that. I have right now zero reason to doubt Kevin Feige, um, mm-hmm. because if you if you had told me that I would be advocating for a Wanda and Vision sitcom as a must watch series, I would have probably laughed, and I am. Uh- all on board with you know this. I'm the same there, man. You mm-hmm. know damn well I'm the same. And Matt Sha- Matt Shackman is director of all of these, so we've got to shout out to him wow. again. Which is unique too, right? Like like the Mandalorian, we have different director every episode almost. Yeah. Um. So there, everything that's happening with Marvel has been very enjoyable. I obviously I don't love all the movies. I do like more of them than not. Um, and I do like the lighthearted ones the most. Like Ant Man is probably my favorite movie because I love Paul Rudd. And Michael Pena deserves more time on screen. <laughs> period. And yeah. um, I I I love what they're doing here. I, there's so many questions. It's, I've got like a Lost vibe. I don't know if you were ever into Lost. Um, I not quite so much. No, I came very late into Lost. Like I was like I think it was two or three years after it ended. I finally sat and watched all of it. And I was like really into it. I loved it. Um, I'm I'm still a fan of it. A lot of people hate the last season. I I think the last season is great. I think a lot of people. I think it severely depends on your interpretation of the last season. But I'm getting that vibe from WandaVision too. Um, there's a lot of those. Like every episode, I have more questions than I have answers, and yet I can't stop watching it. And I can't wait to see what happens. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm really intrigued. And that was the last episode, episode six that we're talking about. Right, the second. Um, I did feel like it ended a, a little too abruptly. I would have liked 10 more minutes or so. So I'm excited that we're getting hour long episodes as long as they don't also just end where I feel like it's not like, no, you, you give me a little more. Like you didn't give me quite enough to satisfy me, which as is, long as I can feel the hour, hour as well. There's, there's that. There's a reason why these episodes are half an hour mm-hmm. because for the most part, that's all they need. Obviously then bumping that up to three hours. We asked, I wanted the Mando to be an hour long each episode, but if it, if they didn't have the content to fill that, and it was just, and they were just pushing it, stretching the runtime, there's that worry as well. But mm. again, what uh, Jack Schaefer, the the showrunner, and Matt, whatever his name is, Matt Shack, this is really bad. I've forgotten the two's name already. <laughs> um, Matt Shackman has been doing alongside Kevin Feige. No reason to doubt them, man. Yeah. No, um, but so that's that's really the only TV thing I watched this week. But um, I listened to the Blank Check podcast. They are continuing with their the two directors whose names I can't remember from Disney. Um, they they did their Little Mermaid <laughs> episode the other day. Uh, Little Mermaid was one of the first soundtracks that I owned as a kid, and I listened to all the time. I think I nice. still think it's one of the best soundtracks. Like the every song is amazing on that soundtrack. Um, and not until Moana had a Disney soundtrack done that to me where I like wanted the soundtrack to listen to it over and over again. Um, and that's not like, there's some other great songs throughout that Disney time period, obviously, but little mermaid, 
and Moana, both soundtracks I've listened to countless times and Mm -hmm. the same directors. And I think that's worthy of note. And I would say if there is a second or third, it would be Aladdin and then Beauty and the Beast probably for me. And so they also did Aladdin. So just insane, uh, their connection to these amazing songs. Um, The episode is really great. But uh, if you're a Patreon member like myself, um, a few months ago, they did a fanfare episode where they uh, they talked about the six big studios and their opening like title cards and how they changed nice. um, and they like the music and they kind of talk about like the importance of what they do for the rest of the film. And so this episode fanfare too, they did a lot of the independent studios uh, over the over the time and like mm-hmm. commented, criticized. It's a weird thing. I would have never thought I'd want to listen to two people talk or technically three people because Ben's part of it um, about the opening title credit of independent studios uh uh, for about two to three hours and yet um i totally was eating it up had no idea how much time had passed uh i i am i'm a big fan of griffin and david and ben to be fair um and what they do on that podcast and i i it it is a little weird to so fan out over another podcast on a podcast but eventually, right? That's how genre works. At some point, we have to parody podcasts. We have to have podcasts about podcasts. Um, maybe at some point, we'll start a podcast where we just go episode by episode of reviewing other podcasts. But for the moment... <laughs> hey, it's good to shout out other creators, man. Yeah, and I, I do. If, if you love film, um, I love their approach. It's not We're not competing shows because we're not doing the same type of thing. They're not reviewing new movies. Uh, and even if we were, it's it were a community. To me, the film community is is where I I feel the most at home. Even if I don't always agree with everybody, and uh, Griffin and David have a a sense of comedy that I love. But also, like David's a legit film critic. Like the dude mm-hmm. writes for, uh, I I think he's on the Atlanta right now. He's written for several different uh, magazines and entries. So you know he brings like legit film criticism to a podcast and. While Griffin is an actor first and then a comedian, I think, second even. And then um, he's going to be the voice of Orko on the upcoming Kevin Smith-directed uh, He-Man Netflix animated series that's coming nice. out. Um, and if you didn't see the Amazon Prime uh, Tick TV series, um, he is Arthur, Griffin is, and is fantastic. And uh, that show should not have been canceled. I think season one and two are both excellent. It's sad that it didn't get to go to season three. But uh, anyways... I'll stop fanning about Blank Jack and Griffin and David. Um, but I watched some movies this week. Uh, I'm going to start with the one that you have also watched, which is Out of Africa. So, go on, John. I, I'm I, saving all my thoughts. I will save on. most of mine. But I, I am a big <laughs> fan of Meryl Streep and Robert Redford. And I, the Robert Redford thing is something I discovered over the last couple of years. Because I don't think I'd ever yeah. seen a Robert Redford film um before I started Burke Reviews. And I've now I've seen Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. I've seen um, The Sting. I've seen uh, most recently his most recent film, Old Man and the Gun, which I think is underrated and amazing. I am a really big David Lowery fan. And also David Lowery has been on Blank Check uh, podcast at least twice. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I am I am. Well, I would say I'm a pretty big Robert Redford fan. I, I watched Sneakers not long ago for uh, the, the uh, for movie club. So I've seen a lot of his stuff. I am a fan. I, I Meryl Streep. I mean, come on, it's Meryl Streep. It's freaking mm-hmm. Meryl Streep. Like, is there anyone who doesn't like Meryl Streep? Like, I would. What What has happened that you are angry with the world? But these two great actors who I am a fan of could not save this boring ass movie. Like, it is. <laughs> and i like romance dude it's not even like i'm one of those people like oh romance it's just like there's nothing to this i i went (laughs) 
to Wikipedia while watching this to see if I just zoned out and missed plot elements, and I hadn't. Like, I totally was on board with what was happening. I just didn't care. It Nothing about that movie made me care. And it's based on a person's, like, memoir. I'm like, this was a book? Like, yeah. you want, Do you want it for Christmas? No, please don't ever, no. <laughs> um, I, I am, man, uh, so much. And then it's a little problematic because it is a white savior movie, too because she's mm-hmm. like i'm gonna educate these poor africans and i'm gonna give them land it's like yeah but you took their land like it was yeah, their land <laughs> like this land i stole have it back yeah it's, and i should be celebrated for it uh it's so bad um nothing about it worked for me uh so i won't go in anymore because i'll have to talk about it later but yeah did not <laughs> love that movie but because of what you said 1985 after watching out of africa i was like i'm gonna watch another 1985 movie i'm gonna watch witness yeah i'd never seen it i was aware of it um i saw the tim allen and christy alley version of it uh for richer <laughs> or poorer um which is not great i saw that when i was you, when it came I out saw in this in film studies um witness yes i saw film studies about oh, crap, cool. about 20 years ago now, well, yeah so you know the movie the the moment that i became aware of this movie is odd but we uh the school i work for my uh principal has some connections with harvard and we've had multiple times a very great Harvard psychologist who's a professor there, but also, you know he's a like psychologist in and of himself, come and speak to our students multiple times. And I don't remember the exact topic he was there speaking to our students about, but he used a clip from Witness. And I'm sitting there like, is that Harrison Ford? He uses the clip with the uh, the ice cream, you know, where the, yep. the guys rub the ice yep. cream on the face. And so I'm like, I need to watch this movie. And one of my students gave me a copy of the DVD. So I've had it for like three years. <laughs> Guy still wants it back. Yeah, well, you know, it's fine. But um, finally watched it, and one, I don't know if you know this, Harrison Ford, good actor. Good actor. Really charming. I, mm-hmm. big fan. Big fan of this guy. I don't know if he's done anything. I don't know if he's done anything else, you know, if it's worth note. But Harrison Ford's a name to watch, I think. He's, he's out there. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're not getting my sarcasm, listeners, hot, hot take. Harrison Ford's great. I, I don't know why I ever would doubt that. He <laughs> he's totally so cool, pulls me in. Um, yeah, he's so cool. He's so cool. Like he's a movie star. He's dude, a movie star, man. It's just un- it's unfair uh, how like seamless. He, and there's moments he doesn't even do anything, and I'm just like, I love this guy. I don't even yeah, know why. Was this guy? Yeah, like I. So I was really into Witness because of Harrison Ford. Like he he had me from the get go. I mean, he had me at hello. Um, uh, just off by a couple of years, uh, Corey and I reviewed Tango and Cash because we're doing uh, bromances. Yeah, for the podcast, um, Kurt Russell again, amazing. Stallone not so great in the comedic stuff, in my opinion. Uh, he but it balances out because you get Russell and Russell's just outstanding and and Tango and Cash love him so much. Um, last night, I I continue checking off my best picture winners that, from the time I've been alive, and I watched Unforgiven finally. <laughs> yeah, dude. I, I've watched a couple of Eastwood uh, Westerns, and this is the first of his directed Westerns I think I've seen, unless he directed Josie Wales, which I don't remember if he did or not. But uh, I think he did, actually. I, I saw that a long time ago, though, to be fair. like I was in middle school when I watched Outlaw Josie Wales for the first time, so it's been a while since I've seen that one. But um, Unforgiven, yeah, I was yeah. really not expecting the movie to be what it was. Like, mm-hmm. There's a lot of weird humor in it. Like him falling off of horses or falling on the ground because of chasing pigs was way more times than I expected to ever see Clint Eastwood like bumble around. Um, 
I, I it's a great movie. It, it's, uh, it's great. The uh, to me, what I really took from it was this idea of uh, legacy, and how people can distort and alter one's legacy, and I, that was the theme that kept like really resonating with me. And part of it was I don't know if you've ever got to play Red Dead Redemption. No, but I want to. Dude, you need to play number two. Like you can just jump into two and you'll hmm. be you'll be good. Uh, but it, it's such an outstanding game, and there's a a, a side quest in that game. That involves a, a writer who's doing like biographies on gunslingers. And it was mm-hmm. totally that's a part of this movie. Right. And so for me, that was really resonating. And that's what stood out as like the, the big theme is because you have the the um, the guy following the uh, Dumbledore and um, Richard Harris. Yes, it, he's following him around. And he's writing his story. And when you hear the story, uh, little Bill, Gene Hackman's character is like, no, that's bullcrap. That's not what happened at all. And you get this this constant thing, but then you, you have that same thing. Everyone keeps telling Clint Eastwood's character that you're so evil, you're so awful, you were this murderer. And he's like, yeah, I don't really remember that. I was drunk at the time. And this opening and ending titles of, of the wife who married him, but no one really knows why would she marry such a horrible person. Calling into question, are any of the rumors about him true or not? And I think that's this like kind of lingering thing within the film is like are any of the the people really who they say they are or is it all just tall tale and myth and and fiction and i just i was really fascinated by that element of the movie um i I, really good uh probably a deserving best picture winner unlike out of africa anyways um, i'd rather watch unforgiven oh yeah i would much unforgiven is great clint eastwood going back to going back to his roots man and Mm -hmm. changing it up a little bit but god damn it's a good film um, watched uh, Brian, not Brian, um, David Cronenberg's uh, Videodrome for the first mm-hmm. time. Have you seen that one? I have seen this one. Interested for your thoughts, man. Oh, dude, it is, uh, man, I, I, I like Cronenberg. I also have a hard time watching his movies because of the body horror, but I'm like, I'm always yeah. so impressed with it. And that's the case here. I didn't know what I was getting into when I started this movie with like the sadism and stuff that's in like the opening couple of minutes, I was like, what am I watching? What's happening? Um, almost turned it off because like my wife and daughter were like in the house and I'm like, they're going to think I'm watching some (laughs) weird thing. And that's not why I'm watching this. You know, I didn't pick this because of that, but, um, but I stuck it out. And by the end I was really impressed. It's scary how accurate he kind of predicts our addiction to media. Um, and and the horrible things that we will watch on the internet, like we know horrible things have existed and have you know gone viral and stuff. Uh, and he essentially describes viral video before that was a, a term, right? And it's mm-hmm. it's oddly scary how prescient it is. So, um, Videodrome definitely worth watching if you can tolerate the body horror, because again, lots of body horror. Cronenberg, um, yeah, yeah, man, the stomach thing was really troublesome with like. <laughs> Like I don't even because it 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 also evokes other imagery that's disturbing on its own right, and then it's just disturbing as what is happening. It's just all all crazy. Um, watched Framing Britney Spears, which is uh, on Hulu, mm-hmm. and it kind of tells the story of Britney Spears' uh, rise and fall and her current crazy circumstances. Definitely worth checking that out if you have Hulu. Um, and lastly, the movie I saved to talk about last because it had such a big impact on me. Uh, I watched Warrior from two thousand eleven. <laughs> and i i've been it's been on my radar you know i, I like tom hardy I, i'm actually i'm a bigger joel edgerton fan than i always give him credit like i forget mm-hmm. how much i like him and stuff and um 
I, I like MMA. I was a, I was really into martial arts when I was in middle school and high school. Like I took Taekwondo for years in, ta- in high school. Technically, I'm a black belt, although I haven't practiced since like 1998. So I don't know if that's still does a black belt expire. I feel like it should. Um, Never. But uh, I was really into martial arts. I used to watch all martial art movies, like anything that had martial arts in it. I was going to watch it um, like that's how I, I knew Billy Blanks before Taibo was a thing, because Billy Blanks was doing Roddy Piper like martial art movies like together. And I loved them on HBO. I used to watch them all the time as a kid. So really, really into martial arts. I always loved MMA. And so this movie, like the fact that I waited 10 years to watch it is kind of crazy. Um, and and then it ended and I cried way too hard um you did i did i i was i was shocked at how emotionally resonant the movie about mixed martial arts and two guys that are our brothers could have have hit me like it did um i i get why there's a lot of reasons why i'm also i'm really glad i didn't watch this in 2011 um because i think it would have it would have actually landed even harder then uh in 2011 i met my my biological father for the first time or if it wasn't quite 2011, it was within like a year um, of that time is a, a construct anyways, but it was somewhere within that time frame. I met my father for the first time and it was meeting my father that uh, basically halted my desire to be a famous rock musician. Um, for a long time, I, I, I didn't realize it till after I met him, but my drive to be a musician was because my father was a musician and I he never he wasn't famous he didn't make it into like as a as a famous musician and so as a kid i wanted to excel where he didn't right so like mm-hmm. the anger drove me and when i met him the anger dissipated i was no longer driven to to outdo him because now he was a real person he wasn't just this figure who loomed over me and oh, and that i think resonates real hard in this movie um in a lot of ways this idea of like this letting go of anger letting go of what drives you and how anger can can make you do outstanding and crazy things but at a cost and uh that's heavily embodied in tom hardy's character especially um and i think that partly resonated with me and was like what clicked but there's other things too i i just i i think it's a very smart film guys as like a, a sports film and I think that's what's even more impressive. I feel like it's it is about the sport, but it's also not. It's about so much other stuff, mm-hmm. and those performances just really land. And You've I got to th- shout out for Nick Nolte as well. Yes. Nick Nolte's excellent and excellent in this for sure. Um, I I I have like a weird. I'm kind of a, a fan of Nolte's in general. I I mm-hmm. used to watch uh, Blue Chips a lot um, yep. as a kid because I love basketball movies, and I like Shaq because he was on the, my local team. He was on the Orlando Magic, so. I was a big Shaquille O'Neal fan, and um, so Blue Chips was great. And then there was Nick Nolte, like, yelling at, at Shaq, and Penny Hardaway's also in the movie, and I was like, yeah, great. Um, and so, yeah, Nick Nolte really kind of returned to form here. I Warrior has easily jumped into my top 100 films. It's probably going to be higher up than that. I just, I'm just i going to have to rewatch it at some point. Not quite ready to do that, um, but I'm going to have to rewatch it to see if that, that same if it will click for me as much a second time before I cement it into a top 50 position. But it, it definitely was a movie I did not expect to resonate quite so hard. And I love when that happens. I love when you find that, that movie that just clicks for you. Yeah, man. I, uh, I, I echo everything you say about warrior. This film was, um, I think I said to you, it's like an, it's an unheralded diamond. It's such a good yeah. film, but I only, I watched it in 2016 
only because my boss at the time said, oh, if you watch this film called Warrior, and I thought, well, that sounds like a bland sort of title for a film. Yeah. No, I haven't watched that film. He said, it's on Netflix, watch it. Tom Hardy's in it. I said, oh, great. Tom Hardy and the, the guy from Attack of the Clones. Brilliant. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, he's in more than that. Yes. So I watched it, and I was blown away. I was sucked in. And it's it's the it's an MMA story, but it's absolutely about family. Like I said the distrust within the family, the brothers, the the whole thing is just a parallel, like how the two brothers are presented, like in terms of how they live, how they train, how they are. Their only common common thing is they both don't like the dad. Nick Nolte yeah. is excellent in this, and um, Jennifer Morrison as the wife is also very good. Frank Grillo turns up and is good. Um, yeah, like we said, God damn, that man's aged. It's a really, it's a powerful film, uh, and I'm so glad. I'm so glad you watched it and enjoyed it because ever since I've seen it, every time somebody mentions it, I, I do the noise like, oh, like, "This is such a good film," and it came out of nowhere for me, and it seemed like it did for you as well, man. Yeah, big time. And again, I've actually owned it for a while, and it just again, I'm like, <laughs> I'll get to it eventually, and I did, and I'm I'm very grateful that I finally did. And it was a, a good friend of mine. Um, I don't remember how it got brought up, but he, he was like, oh, have you ever seen that? I was like, no, but I've been meaning to watch it. And uh, that was, I guess, the final like push to, to dive into it on Saturday night. And I, man, um, I don't usually take a picture of myself after crying, but I was just like, <laughs> I'm going to document this because no one was with me. I was like, my, my daughter was out with her friend. My wife was out of town. So it was just like me crying in a chair and i'm like <laughs> i felt like ron burgundy i was like i'm in a glass case of emotion um so yeah jb sent the picture and he said guess which film did this to me and i was like out of africa i don't know this is before i knew what he thought about the film yeah now it could have been that yeah it would have been tears of like why did i waste my time that was finally finished um but that said uh we're, we're talking about movies that we consume but we must also talk about how we maintain the level of awesomeness that we do. And sometimes it's crying at movies and sometimes it's other things. But this segment is where we look at how we're staying bloody awesome so that we can keep doing these podcasts. Matt, what have you been doing to stay bloody awesome? Well, for the first time in forever, I didn't watch Frozen today. That's how I did it. And I even got a Frozen reference in. I know. Uh, I no, like... I've been, um, I, I whipped out the old six string. I got the guitar out of the loft. Why is it in the loft? Because I haven't got any room downstairs because of my daughter's toys but something all of that sounded like me. a euphemism that's all i'm yeah. saying like everything you just said it could be oh, easily God, misinterpreted. I, know. <laughs> I know it's awful i said to him every day i was talking about you know the word strum i was like i, I mean i'm guitar and i was talking to my friend mate got a friend male friends like I, mean, I meant guitar come on give me a break here um but you know we, we live in a society where sometimes that happens and, <laughs> but I, I don't know what it was i think i was just listening to music which is m- most people do i'd sit i sit I don't even know what song it was, but do you know? And you're a musician as well, and I've been playing. I've been playing since I was about fifteen, um, mm-hmm. yeah. but I haven't played for a few years, like properly now. And there's something just made me think. Do you know what? I need. I, I need to get my guitar. I want to play. I just want to get the damn thing down. And maybe it is just lockdown. It's just like losing your mind. It's like, do you know what? I've got a guitar up there. Why aren't I playing it? Why aren't I using that to kind of like soothe the soul somewhat? Uh, and I, I went through my um, like man cupboard, which is full of like. Like random springs and screws and stuff like that. I was like, I know I've got some guitar strings in here somewhere. I know I have, and I only had some for my electric. I was like, I don't want to play electric. I want to play my acoustic guitar. Um, so I got some ordered, and they should have turned up uh, the other day, but they turned up a day late. But they're here now, and I got the guitar down, and I had to restring the damn thing. Once I'd done that, which is bloody awesome in itself, just having to go through that rigmarole. 
and my fingers still ache now, but God damn, does it feel good to play an, a, a newly strung acoustic guitar and just play again. I mean, I've had a, 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 an empty house today and just play, get back into the swing of it. And it's true what people say. Sometimes it, music can soothe the soul or the anxiety, whatever it is you're feeling. Just grab your guitar or violin or piano, whatever it is, and just play, man. And it works. I mean, I'm playing the songs I used to play and I started trying to learn some more. In fact, it was um, First Man. I, it was This wasn't what made me want to get the guitar, but I started learning the, the main kind of uh, theme from First Man, the Armstrong theme. Um, uh, and I was like, great, I'm now using my love for film, which has always been there, but now I'm translating that to music and it's the greatest thing ever. So, um, yeah, playing guitar again and just sort of using that as a way to ease the lockdown blues and, um, yeah, just make me feel a bit better about the way things are going. So I'm very glad to be getting the guitar out. And one day I'm going to write a theme for John, like books theme. Um, I'll get there one day. It'll be, it'll be a, it'll be an uplifting cinematic epic on the acoustic but guitar for me mate i finally got it back out again but um what about yourself well i i didn't i i should break out my guitar a little bit but um i i have Chekhov's list on my thing and what if you're familiar with the term Chekhov's gun uh the idea that if you show a gun in the first act it must go off by the third um in the beginning of this year which isn't that long ago but it feels like it was forever ago i mentioned (laughs) trying to check off some movies on some lists uh the empire top 100 list the afi uh top 100 list and more recently the uh i want i i at some point i'll probably try to do all of the best picture winners but i decided to start with just since i've been born so from 82 to now and i've seen most of and so i continue to i'm actively uh looking at that and um building ways to check those things off uh i finished the empire top 100 list last week i mentioned i watched uh once upon a time in the west and the good the bad and the ugly uh those were the last two movies i needed to complete on that list and then i've watched a couple more um afi movies including unforgiven uh which also is the best picture and out of africa is the best picture winner which again i don't know why um especially in a year where back to the future wasn't even nominated for best picture which is a, i understand that by definition, the Back to the Future popcorn movie is not an Oscar-type movie. But come on. Like, that movie slaps every way imaginable. So, come on, Oscars. You gotta step it up sometimes. But, I hear that. I, um, I think, you know, this idea of uh, completing these movie lists... I have other lists that I'm kind of, like, composing in my mind of other things I want to... Uh, to watch and and want to see some are like just filmmakers who i really want to explore more of um and obviously we always we kind of built in checklists for ourselves with uh astrology because every time we do a different year we end up with a new checklist that we have to like oh i haven't seen these four movies or i haven't seen these three movies and i i think the first couple times we came across that we didn't actively go to watch them and i think we both kind of vibed like it's hard to do a podcast if you haven't seen any of the movies you're talking about (laughs) we came to the conclusion that to talk about a film you probably should watch it yeah so we've actively uh <laughs> remedied that or at least we tried so that every movie has at least one of us have seen um in the top 10 that we do for astrology and so uh that's always a constant checklist and um i i i found that there's a lot of movies that we didn't have on our list uh that came out that year i, I went on letterbox last night and was just like looking at like the most popular films from the year and I'm like, oh, I really want to watch that. I've always wanted to see this movie. And so I've got like a little list going there. So uh, my my life now kind of consists of checklists. 
um, that I'm constantly uh, juggling. And honestly, that not just for movies, but like day to day life because of like when we were working from home because of COVID and still I always have a a checklist app on my phone with just things I need to do. Um, Some are daily that pop up and like will remind me, oh, yeah, don't forget you work at a college. You have to check your email every day or you might miss something and uh, things like that. So um, that my life is a series of checklists. Um, I probably need a checklist for my checklist at this point. Like, have I done this checklist? I sure have. Check. Um, but I love a spreadsheet, man. And so do you. Yep. We we like to be organized in that way. Uh, the rest of my life, absolute chaos. But when it comes to <laughs> checklist on, on point. So that's that's how I'm saying bloody awesome. I'm just checking things off. Uh, let me just check. Yep. Check. Done. Tick. And all I, up for that. I well think, done. Uh, let me hold on. Record an episode with Matt. Let me hit the little button. Check. This episode is over, folks. We are done. Uh, we will be back next week with a much anticipated review of Chloe Zhao's Nomadland, which is yep. coming to uh, streaming services Hulu here in the States. I'm not sure if it's going to be Sky Cinema over there uh, for you, bud. I imagine it will be, yep. Um, that's usually how it seems to translate. So we are really pumped to finally get to see this movie that people have been raving about for months um, and saying, you know, best picture, best uh, actress, best director, huge, huge contender right now. <laughs> um, so we're we're very excited to watch and review Nomadland. So check out that episode next week. But in the meantime, you don't have to wait a whole week to, to communicate with us. You can reach out to us on our social media. Matt, how can they find us on Twitter? Uh, at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast, John. And I'm, we're on Instagram at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod and Facebook, of course. If you're still using the old Zucknet, um, you can search Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast there and, and follow us and share us with your friends. Uh, and of course, if you just like one of us, maybe you're a little in the mood for some British uh, takeout or uh, American cuisine, you can follow us individually. Matt, where can they find you? Uh, well, you'd be better pressed to follow John because he makes more sense. But you could follow me, what I watch tonight.co.uk, and what I watch tonight, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterbox as well. And for me, over at BurkeReviews.com, and then on all the social media, I'm simply at BurkeReviews, including Letterbox. Um, and if you have a minute, if you can take a second to go to your podcast catcher of choice and rate and review the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, it will help other people find us and continue to spread the joy that we try to bring to you each and every week as we review these movies um and with that we encourage you to keep watching movies and stay bloody awesome when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply